Welcome to Calibrate Conversations, a podcast about embracing God's standard for sexuality. I'm your host, Brady Cohn. As always, make sure you like this video, share with your friends, and check out calibrateministries.com for other podcast episodes and resources. Today, we are going to talk about a big topic, and we could spend many weeks talking about this, and maybe we will at some point, but I want to try to answer the question, is it loving to be affirming? Because we live in a world that screams at us that if you're not affirming of someone's sin, especially LGBTQ sins uh, and lifestyles and identities, then you're not loving them. You know, we hear all this rhetoric about hatred and bigotry. And so uh, do we need to be affirming uh, to enable to be loving? And I think in the last few weeks, this question has come up a lot because we see some big spiritual leaders take more affirming approaches to sexuality. First, there was the Andy Stanley controversy uh, as he came out and somewhat in support of same-sex relationships, even though he says they're not ideal, we need to embrace them as just part of where people are at. And then this week we saw the Pope has uh, put out this edict that the, the church will be allowed to bless same-sex unions. And so these religious leaders are taking steps towards affirming the way that the world wants them to affirm uh, different sexual identities and behavior. And so people always ask, where are those lines? Like, how can we be loving but not affirming of people's sin? And so we what we are seeing is that Christianity that is changing to conform to culture instead of changing people and therefore culture to conform to Christianity. What they're doing is making the human experience the standard and applying a therapeutic approach uh, instead of a biblical approach that understands humanity and sin and repentance and transformation and the plans that God has for us. So we'll just say clearly, it is not loving to affirm or to celebrate someone's sin. When we believe that sin is slavery, we should seek to have people set free. We should trust in what the gospel can do in their life. Affirming is a completely different um, and unrelated concept to love. Uh, the meaning of affirming is in the dictionary is to declare one support, uphold or defend, or to accept or confirm the validity or to ratify and to offer emotional support or encouragement. And so in order to affirm someone, you need to agree with them and offer them support and encouragement in their decision. So it, it has nothing to do with seeking their highest good, but everything to do with being supportive of their feelings um, other than voicing disagreement. And so where in the Bible uh, does, does Jesus model this well? Because it's so hard to balance these different aspects um, and to be on mission as God has us to be on mission on. But Jesus sets an example for us. We see this at... Uh, the woman at the well in, in John chapter seven, um, excuse me, John chapter four. So we see uh, this encounter where uh, Jesus goes and he loves this woman. She's an outcast um, and she he makes himself available to her. He engages with her. And just the fact that Jesus would have this encounter with her um, was highly countercultural. Um, there was differences in uh, you know, obviously gender and religious belief and ethnicity and life choices. 
yet he intentionally reached out to her and engaged her in conversation. And he begins their interaction by asking her for a favor. And I really think that's interesting. I really think that uh, he shows her that she has value to him, that there's something that she can do. Not that he's like using her, but affirming her in a value that she has. And so he offered her something she wanted, a way to avoid facing judgment from others when she came to get water. He, he continued this interaction in giving her some, some affirmation of, of who she was, um, but also while speaking truth to her. So he was inviting her to know him better. He spoke, life, spoke of her life choices in an uncondemning yet matter-of-fact way. He didn't beat around the bush with it, uh, yet he was sensitive to her um, in the way that he spoke to her. She knew her life was not as it should be, and yet Jesus spoke kindly and truthfully to her, loving her without affirming any of her choices. At Calibrate Ministries, we have an entire ministry just for parents of LGBTQ kids because we want to be able to shepherd your hearts and encourage you and pray for you and your family as you navigate these situations. So just go to CalibrateMinistries.com and fill out the contact form, and I'd love to be in touch with you about how you can be involved in that ministry. Another passage that I think sheds light on how we can do this is 1 Corinthians 13. Um, if we're acting in love towards one another, Scripture says we'll be patient, kind, humble, not seeking our own benefit, not getting provoked to anger, not keeping a record of how we've been wronged. I, we refuse to affirm unrighteousness, but we rejoice in the truth. And so I think it's important there that um, as God is telling us, to uh to act in love uh and spelling out what it looks like to act in love it says not to affirm unrighteousness but rejoice in the truth so if we act in love we will be people who um have hope and can endure hard things and many times i i see we have this false dichotomy of how do i balance grace and truth um, how, as if they're a false dichotomy, two different things that can't coexist and we have to find a balance of the two. So we can only have 10% of one or 9% of the other. It's like, no, those both happen at the same time. And I think that this passage in Corinthians really spells that out, that as we're loving people, uh, we rejoice in the truth and not in unrighteousness. And so we, it's, it's both and not either or are not some combination of each other that only can you know, add up to 100%. No, it's 100% grace and 100% truth. And so we can only do that, I think, when we exhibit the Lord's power in our lives. We have to trust in the Lord to change people's hearts, and we have to surrender ourselves to God and trust that it's God that's working in people's lives. I think as we're trying to wrestle through how to love people. And as we see this cultural conversation play out in the, the secular world and within the body of Christ, there's some pitfalls that we can fall into. Self-righteousness 
is one of them. Uh, we think we have earned something by our morality. Therefore, we don't show grace to others. We think we've earned right standing with God by you know our own rules that we followed, uh, even though obviously we, we, we know that that's not true. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And we all need redemption and grace. And for all of us, it's it's nothing but the blood of Christ that gives us hope. But our self-righteousness can get in the way of, of loving people well and showing them grace. Um, pride can get in the way. We think that our sin isn't as worse as other people's sin. We think that we are right and they're wrong. We're, we're determined to just convince them. And so pride can get in the way. And sometimes we use standing up for truth as an excuse to be vile, to be harsh, to to share uh, the truths in the wrong places at the wrong times with the wrong tone. Um, there's kind of a movement within the church uh, that sees kindness as weakness. I just saw a pastor post a few days ago on social media. He said, pastors of all people should be willing to offend people. A ministry that refuses to offend fundamentally denies the rock of offense itself. Okay, so it says that a pastor should be willing of all people to offend people. And there's some truth in that. Sometimes the truth offends people. My ministry definitely offends people. Um, and there's people who are always going to reject truth, but that doesn't give us, get us off the hook of the fruit of the spirit, kindness, uh, peace, joy, love for one another. And many times, um, I think we, we can get off balance in all these different areas and we can have pride in people being offended by us. And that is the heart I see in some of these, these pastors and ministry leaders where they're proud about being offensive. And that is absolutely not the heart that God wants us to have. It's not the heart that softens people's hearts. It's not the heart that changes our culture. I have pastors and church leaders regularly reach out to me about speaking at their churches and events. If that's something you would be interested in, feel free to go to calibrateministries.com and fill out the contact form. And I'd love to talk to you about what that would look like. So how do we respond? We need humility and we need grace. We need to listen and we actually need to affirm what people are feeling without affirming their behavior or, or their false beliefs about their, their feelings. And so that's hard because we say, oh, well, we, we're not going to affirm anyone. We're not going to affirm their sin. Okay, let's not affirm their sin or their lifestyle choices or their false beliefs, but we can still listen to them and affirm what they're feeling and acknowledge those feelings as real feelings. But now let's get to the source of those feelings. Why are you feeling that? What lies has this person believed? Uh, we, we don't dismiss or minimalize their experience or what they're going through, but we have to be careful not to build a theology around their feelings, but keep a theology that's built on the word of God and then apply the word of God to their experience and help them understand their experience, their, their feelings through a lens of God's word and not vice versa, which is what uh, many Christians like Andy Stanley are trying to do these days. 
we want the gospel ultimately to change their beliefs and therefore change their heart. And then it'll change the experience of how they're living. It'll, it'll change their life. So we need wisdom. We need wisdom because we can get off track in all of these areas. We can err on one side or we can err on another side when it, it should be both. And we're, we're showing uh, grace and speaking truth um, out of a place of wisdom and humility. We should we should see that speaking harshly um, or speaking with the wrong judgment, the wrong attitude is is pride that comes from the flesh. And many times it's easy to respond to culture and justify. It's like, well, they're doing this and they're doing that. But it's like we're called to live differently. And that's part of what helps soften people's hearts. That's part of what uh, gives us the relationship and the authority to speak into people's lives. Speaking out of a place of the fruit of the spirit requires just that, the spirit. Uh, the same spirit that gives us the ability to love people well is the same spirit that uses our love to change hearts. And so if we're trying to do it under our own power, if we're trying to fight this culture war or we're trying to fight uh, you know, people's sin under our own power, we're going to fail because we can't do it. We need the spirit of the Lord to move in us uh, and to move in them. And we have to surrender that and we have to use wisdom in how to do that. We we need to reason with people. We see the Apostle Paul, he went and he reasoned with people in the synagogues and in debates and in public spheres. And we can show uh, courage and boldness in doing that. And yet we still show compassion to people who are in front of us. And we speak in a way that lives out Ephesians 4.29 of giving grace to those who hear and building people up. I think that as we're engaging in sinners, um, we can affirm them in many ways. We can affirm the image of God in them. We can affirm their talents and abilities. We can affirm the amazing things that we see God created them with. Those are great ways to affirm people. And we can do that uh, without affirming their sin. And I think that sometimes... Um, uh, people get scared. They think, oh, if I do that, they think that I might be affirming their sin. They might misperceive. It's like, we can't control people's misperceptions. We need to trust that to God. We need to be careful on what we communicate and how we communicate. But when we're loving sinners well with compassion and with logic and reason, and we're trying to, um, uh, you know, be a part of what God can do in their life or helping them to see things rightly and to um, understand um, our love for them and God's love for them. There's going to be misperceptions. There's going to be Christians who misperceive that and say, oh, we're too close to a sinner or uh, we're, we're, we might have the perception that we're affirming of the, their sin, even though we're not. And then there's going to be the, uh, you know, the world out there to where uh, our love for them is never enough because they're going to say that if you don't celebrate our sin, then you don't love us. We can't control that and we can't control people's responses to us, but we can still be obedient. We can do our part. Um, and so we refuse to affirm someone's sin and yet uh, we, we love them. We move towards them in relationship. And sometimes those relationships might be paused because maybe those people reject us. Maybe they reject us um, uh, because they can't understand the difference between 
uh, their feelings, their lifestyle, their identity versus who they are. And so many times the phrases like um, hate the sin, but love the sinner don't make sense to the LGBTQ community because to them, the sin that we're hating is not just something they're doing. It feels like it's just who they are. And so we have to get past those um, kind of cheap one-liner cliches and we have to uh, see that they see themselves as this and we can see them as so much more than that. And we're going to affirm the ways that God made them. We're going to affirm the, uh, the, the, their talents and abilities in the image of God. We see them without affirming their sin and they might reject us for that. And that's okay. We might have a season of being separated from friends and family and people that we love and we mourn that. And we have to be cautious to not become hard-hearted and bitter, but we mourn the sin that they are entrapped in. And we pray for them and we pray for restoration in relationship. And we pray that uh, um, that restoration gives us an opportunity to love them well, to uh, continue to speak truth into them, but we don't have to compromise our values to do so. I really see that um, another pitfall we run into, I think with affirming people's sin is that we've also in the church as heterosexuals, we've also had a misplaced view of sexuality. So I think that many Christians are in a place where they go down the affirming road because they have a misplaced view of marriage themselves. It's like, well, I want marriage to make me happy. So why would I deny that of someone else? Or, uh, you know, I pursue sexually whoever will make me feel good. So I guess I need to allow that to other people. And so I think that for a lot of the Christians around us who are affirming of LGBTQ sin is coming from a place because they've also affirmed uh, their heterosexual sin, or maybe they're addicted to pornography. And it's like, well, deep down, it's like, I don't have a place in my life to call someone else to repentance or have a different standard that for them that I'm not willing to have myself. And, and God tells us not to have double standards. So the, the, uh, end result of that is that we need repentance ourselves. We need to be transformed in our own sexuality. We need to embrace God's standard for biblical sexuality in our own lives, whether that's repenting of pornography, masturbation, how we're misusing our spouse, how we're idolizing our marriage, uh, how we're putting our hope in the wrong places. And then we need to put our hope in Christ and Christ alone. And then we can invite the LGBTQ community and sinners in our lives into that story of hope. We can offer the same hope as we affirm how much God loves them, but not affirm their sin. Instead, we want something so much greater for them. And that is a, a great hope that's in nothing but Christ alone. So don't buy into this cultural lie that we have to affirm someone's sin to uh, to love them, but also don't buy into the self-righteous Christians' um, lies that uh, we can take pride in our offense uh, of people, the offense that we cause, that, that we should speak harshly. Uh, no, we can speak boldly into our culture and still have love and compassion for people at the same time. 
So let's go out there. Let's let's make disciples. Let's love people well. And let's not buy into these false dichotomies and these myths, mistruths and uh, these values of the world. In the meantime, we might be rejected by sinners and we might be rejected by Christians. And that's okay. Our job is to be obedient to living the lives that God calls us to, living lives that display the fruit of the Spirit um, in our lives and in other people's lives. So I hope that this has been encouraging. I hope that gives some clarity on how different people in our culture have gotten to where they are. Um, I would appreciate it if you would share this video. Make sure you like it. Share on social media. Go at CalibrateMinistries.com. We always appreciate your support of this ministry so we can do what we do. And we pray that God uses it to equip you embracing his standard for sexuality. Thank you very much for joining us.